This podcast is a product of the 4th and Inches Network. A podcast network designed to keep Husky fans up to date on their favorite programs around UW. Enjoy the show and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Husky Nation, it's the end of the third quarter. Are you looking for the perfect tequila for your next get-together? The answer is born from a hero. Hero de Leon. Direct from the prestigious Merguilla family just outside Guadalajara honoring their great-grandfather who saved Mexico from a horrible civil war. It's authentic, courageous, with great integrity, just like the general. Enjoy the smoothest Blanco tequila you've ever tasted, or the rich flavor of our Reposado, aged for seven months in American bourbon barrels. Or the ultimate tequila, our Añejo, which is aged for 18 months in the same bourbon oak barrels. Go to your favorite liquor retailer or restaurant and ask for Hero de Leon because it's always the end of the third quarter. Imported by Zombie Beverages, Mercer Island, Washington. All right, hey Husky fans, this is Yuda, Leah, and Evie Mason back with Pick and Roll. Tonight, we actually have a special guest with us today. Alyssa Charleston is here to talk all things Pac-12 women's basketball with us. Um, many of you probably already know her, but if you don't, Alyssa is a former D1 basketball player herself. She played at Idaho. She's currently a sports reporter and anchor at Fox 13 Seattle, and she's also a Pac-12 women's hoops broadcaster and analyst. So welcome, Alyssa. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I always wish that I played defense because maybe Tia Jackson would have recruited me back when she was the coach. <laughs> I could have played at UW, but I didn't play defense. <laughs> Well, like Tia, I mean, Tina Langley likes to say that freshmen don't know how to play defense and it's not their fault, but like that's a big part of the first year coaching. And she said that in the Go Huskies podcast with Elise and Elise fully admits that when she came to UW, that was also her. <laughs> so we have that in common. <laughs> awesome. Um, so just as a little recap before we get started for anyone who I guess wasn't paying attention to the Pac-12 Women's Tournament, um, it was actually won by Washington State. As much as I hate to admit it, because like I'm a husky, they were very, very, they were amazing, honestly. And this turn in this tournament, and I mean, like, who would have thought <laughs> they would beat uh, Colorado, Utah, and UCLA? Um, but yeah, they're definitely a program to watch, and they're for sure garnering more attention. Hopefully, will be a good represent representative for the conference. And I'm gonna hand it over to Alyssa with our first question because she's obviously the expert and all this stuff. Uh, so, Alyssa, you've kind of been in the position to call the Huskies live for the past two years under the new coaching staff. What has been the biggest change from year one to year two? Great question. I think the offense is just smoother. The vision that Tina Langley had coming in it really is ideal for the players that she had. She learned it. She picked it up at Rice. She had a certain playing style. Uh, the, the male coach there, the men's coach at Rice, and her kind of went back and forth on the right offense for both of their programs. So she's always been known for someone that is so willing to pick other people's brains. She did the same thing to me. And she's such a learner. Like she's so, she's very humble in that way. And I think she knew going in that first year, there's so much action in the Princeton offense and there's so much instinct that's required. And you have to get to know each other and play with each other on that court because especially with back doors, I mean, 
you can be throwing passes kind of behind your back a little bit and players are just not there the first year. Whereas the second year, like I had this at Idaho, we ran more of a dribble drive penetration as like our secondary offense. And the second year we did it, it was just so much better because you, you have a certain look like when they're, when somebody's going back door and you guys, I'm sure see it all the time. Lauren Schwartz is so good at it. Haley Van Dyke is so good at, at reading and cutting. Um, you give each other a look like it, it, I, everybody has something different, you know, it's like eyebrows raise or something. And that takes time to create. And mm -hmm. from season one to season two, the players just know each other better. And I think the biggest overall difference is Delea Daniels at that center position. She's not really a center. She's a great passer. She's a threat at all times. Whereas last year, Nancy Mulkey wasn't as much of a threat in the same way that, that Delea is. I think Nancy had a great uh, ability to pass above everybody, right? Like, um, she's six foot nine. I mean, nobody's going to reach higher than her, but mm. everybody just has a better feel for mm -hmm. each other. And sometimes the three point shooting has gone off and that's when they've won games. That's when they beat Stanford, when they, um, beat Washington <laughs> state, those were their best shooting performances, beat Oregon state. Um, those it's just that, that consistency wasn't there all season. So Did do you feel like the consistency to your last point is why the Huskies have been able to kind of push through and win some of the games that they just fell so very short on last year? Cause they, they were close in so many games last year, but just came up short most of the time. And this year things are quite different. Is, is, do you think that just the familiarity of the Princeton offense and with each other, has that been the difference? No doubt about it. And great point on all the close games last year, because that was, it was so heartbreaking to watch them go through it because they're right there. I mean, last year they were right with Stanford on the farm at the end of the season. Um, it was like, wow, Tina Langley, brand new coach, turning this program around, just getting so close. But the difference is they're not fighting from behind all game in all these games. And that offensive consistency is like, it's back, forth, back, forth, or Washington is leading the whole time. Like they're in control for most of the game and then it just gets tight at the end instead of mm -hmm. having to fight from behind and scratch and claw and hope that you don't turn the ball over at the end of games. And yeah. that's exactly the, the pressure, the end of games, that's where the chemistry really shows up. And those late game turnovers were kind of eliminated this year, which was great to see. What, sure. in your opinion, what do you think the Huskies need to do next year to take the next step to like being even more elite? and rebuilding their program? I think more consistent three-point shooting is key because they were 12th for most of, 12th in the conference and three-point percentage for most of the season. And you have to have a three-point threat if you're going to have that much cutting because otherwise people are just going to pack it in. Like we saw USC do to Stanford. Haley Jones, not much of a three-point shooter. Cameron Brink, not much of a three-point shooter. She can get going, but like, USC just packed in the key against Stanford and that totally changed the game. And that's why USC beat Stanford in the regular season. If Washington doesn't have a consistent two to three players that can drain the three, um, you know, everyone's going to have off nights, but to keep it in like the 32 to 35 ranges, it would be ideal. They were at 24, 25 for most of the season, 26. It was tough, but I will say, I was not expecting them to have this kind of offensive output from what we watched in the non-conference. Elise and I talked about it, that their transformation from non-conference to the regular season, the Pac-12 was like, here they are. Yeah. 
So I was really huge. shocked watching them against at home against Washington State. I, I went to the game with my dad and both of us were like, we're not going to win this game. And the intensity and the offensive flow that they played with and they were able to withstand a 40 point night, night from Charlize and still win the basketball game. Um, I would say, um, you know, Evie and I were just talking before you came on that I would regard that as our second best win of the year after Stanford. Mm-hmm. Great point. Now, considering like that. that Washington State has won the Pac-12 tournament, like it's hard to argue with that. Totally. Um, but I think you're completely right that, like, you know, they struggled sometimes on perimeter defense, but they struggled all year long with three-point shooting. And do you think the influx of talent that we're going to get at guard will help? I think so, and I think um, the next step in El Ladine and Hannah Stein's career is going to be really helpful because we've seen we saw them go through the first half of the season and struggle from three, right? Mm-hmm. But then El Ladine comes and just starts playing fearless. Where her fearless play really, we got to see the benefits of it because she was always fearless, right? But like just pulling threes at any given moment, the, the jumpers, and um, I think. The key is you're talking about perimeter defense. Defense. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into that Oregon game in the tournament. A big reason why they lost is Endia Rogers just taking it to the rack over and over and over again. And you had to respect Tahina Pow Pow's three, right? So Jada Noble and Haley Van Dyke is a good defender. Like we we got to give her credit as being a good defender, but you need another guard shorter than her because she's five eleven, six foot. Like moving around like that's not easy tracking with one of the most athletic players in the conference. So I think that class, Tina keeps bringing in big time classes and the conversations she has with recruits, I'm kind of blown away. Initially, when she was kind of talking and spreading her mission and her message, saying like, I care for these players, these women in this program. I love that she says program, not program. (laughs) My favorite thing. Um, But she legitimately cares about her players. And I felt that from my coach in college, but not to the extent that Tina really lives it like she wants to be in their lives pushing them to have the best majors I think UW had the craziest schedule in terms of majors all the graduates um the graduate degrees they were chasing after the master's degrees of their seniors totally transformed their practice schedule and I have really come to respect like okay Tina doesn't just walk the walk and she doesn't just talk the talk excuse me she walks the walk and that's transforming into like really good recruiting classes. And I think that's going to keep getting better too. Yeah. I think that it's been really nice to see, obviously our freshmen this year, uh, pretty much I think all play club ball together. So that I think really helped the gelling for the freshman class. All four of them, I believe played on the same club team. And I think two out of our three out of state recruits for next year played with Elle and, um, and Hannah. So I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Chloe and uh, Ari both, I believe played club ball with the, the California kids. Um, but like it, you know, we're getting a lot of guards next year. And um, do you anticipate potentially coach Langley supplementing the roster with some transfers um, in the post? I I think it probably needs to happen, but they also, they're a very centerless offense. Like, I don't think they like playing with a traditional center. And I wouldn't even consider Darcy Reese a traditional center because she wasn't a banger down low. Like she was, she was good at finishing through contact, probably not elite. You know, she did so many other good things from that elbow area, but again, she wasn't even a Langley recruit and she did such a good job morphing into that offense and still becoming useful in it. Um, 
I don't know how much Tina likes to dip into the transfer portal that much. I, I think we'll learn this year really because last two years she hasn't really, other than Delea, hasn't really expressed yeah. a ton of interest in it, you know? And I think the Delea thing was the, that big part of that was coming home. I think she wanted to, I, I don't know how that conversation started between those two, but I don't, I don't know how much Tina will dip into it. And I think this year it'll be necessary. My, yeah, my concern is that with the exception of our, our recruit who's six foot six, we really don't have anyone who can like defend the banging. I mean, we may not want to do that, but we're going to have to have someone on the low block to defend Cameron Brink next year. That's like in case Delia gets in foul trouble. So hopefully that that's my, that's my wish is that we're going to have two, we have six seniors and four recruits. So we have some, we have some spots available. Great point. Great point. Defense in this league, especially in that post area, because Cam's coming back. I don't think Kaylee will be back, but every single team has a dominant post player. Mm-hmm. Something to watch, no doubt. For sure. If the, uh, if this is even still a possibility, I believe that it is. If the Huskies were to get into the WNIT, what do you think would need, what would they need to do to have a program building run? Well, I think the end of this year was a program building run. And I really, really believe they'll get into the WNIT. I would be really surprised if they didn't because Charlie Cream right now has them, I think, as a last four out. Is that right? Next four out. So, yeah. So, yeah. And their net is pretty good. I think their net is 29 or 30 in that range. So I, you have to put them in the WNIT for how they finished in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is so good. I think when you ask the question about how – what kind of run you got to win at least two games to, to really build for next year. And I think this team is ready to go on a fun run like that because they built so much confidence at the end of last season. And I think they have a sour taste in their mouths from not beating Oregon, you know, like they, it was right there for them. They led the whole game until India just kind of went unconscious. So yeah, yeah it's I know I have a better taste in my mouth, so yeah. I'm sure they right. do too. Um, yeah, I mean, and the other thing to keep in mind is that uh, usually who who hosts the WNIT games is based on attendance, which Washington tends to do pretty well in. So I, I have faith that at least we'll probably host maybe the first round and assuming we get past that one in the second round as well, because we I, get, depending on what's going on in the city, we should get th- 3,000, maybe even pushing four, but it'll just depend on how the university broadcasts that the Huskies are playing so I agree I think you have to you have to bring the WNIT first and second rounds to Seattle no doubt about mm-hmm. it for, for me I'm, I'm with you yeah for sure like the it's just great to see how much success the conference has had as far as sustaining teams in the rankings how have they been able to keep folks in the top echelon of the rankings and like how have we been able to maintain legitimacy nationally I think in the one of the best examples is Oregon. Um, most people look at their the reasoning behind them staying really high in the net rankings is their offensive efficiency per possession. It's really good. And early in the season, they led the country in fewest turnovers per game. So when you take that into the Pac-12 conference, it's not like they stunned a bunch of teams in the non-con, but they beat teams handily in the non-conference. And they lost a player who went to BYU. And then I think she's out completely now. She was averaging like seven or eight points a game. She was a freshman coming in, playing like 17, 10 to 17 minutes a game. So they kind of had to deal with that change. And 
I think you look at the the overall non-conference record of the Pac-12, it was far better than any other conference in the nation. We were getting notifications from a guy named John Cantalupi from Pac-12 conference, mm-hmm. who's really good at tracking that stuff. And their non-conference record compared to the rest of the country was astronomical. It was like it, mm-hmm. one of the best Pac-12 non-conference records in history, one of the best. Um, so that really basically creates the foundation of like, okay, Pac-12 is no joke. And then they've cont- they've created so much parity within each other, like within conference play, like Stanford didn't run the table. Their average margin of victory, how nice was that, you guys, to not see Stanford just go in and run the table and beat teams by 20. I thought that was I think it's really, honestly, I think it's really good for the conference. And I think it's really good for Stanford to be challenged because then they have experience in the tournament with, this is what it looks like to fail. Don't let that happen again. And it's like, there's nobody better. Tia Jackson used to say this all the time. She was an assistant under Tara. There's nobody better in the nation at breaking down film than Tara Vanderveer. Mm. Absolutely nobody. And she, in the, when they played Arizona for the national championship, she identified a place on the court that Ari McDonald liked to shoot and just like keep her away from that particular square. And I was just mind blown. Like the, the amount of study that that must've taken. Granted, yeah. that was her third time facing Arizona. However, it was still impressive. So It is. And in that turnaround time, like in the NCAA yeah. tournament, you're all yeah. focused on one team, right? And I, I can't remember how much time was in between their final four game and their national championship. Yeah. But you got to be so focused on the final four game. And then it's like, hello, two days, three days, national <laughs> championship. That is really impressive. And that's, they push each other. Like there's no better conference, I feel like in terms of, every team finding the weaknesses of other teams and exploiting them because every defense is so good. Every defense, it's like one player, two or three players are just dominant and then the rest follow script and follow game plans so well. Um, so I think, yeah, offensive efficiency and then just the defenses are just so, they've limited teams all season long before getting yeah. into the Pac-12 regular season. Who else... Uh... Obviously, besides the Cougs, we can talk about them too. But who else surprised you in the Pac-12 tournament? Uh, UCLA, no doubt. I mean, I know that's an easy answer because they got to the Pac-12 championship. I hadn't watched them much. And Emily Bassoir really, really impressed me. Charisma Osborne just continues to be that fourth quarter monster. Mm -hmm. Like, she can be almost nothing. Quarters one, two, three. And then I, I was watching with my parents because... Pac-12 Networks didn't have the championship. And I was like, all right, it's Charisma Osborne time. Eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like, this is going to get tight with the Cougs. Um, UCLA, no doubt. And let's see. Arizona, disappointing, I would say. Um, but Adia Barnes has said that's not her defense. Like, this defense is not quite there. Arizona State, that team, that was fun. The UCLA overtime game. That was Ty crazy. Skinner, wasn't that nuts? That was, that was bananas. And also, like, I feel... Arizona State has a great new young coach and they remind me a lot of Washington last year where they they're very they're much better than their record indicates I was sweating bullets if you listen to the podcast that Evie and Trevor and I did post the Arizona road trip we were both like we are so glad we got out of Tempe with a dub because we did not look like the better team on that night and then the very next game we beat Stanford so I was like okay (laughs) I mean, I'll take it, but the inconsistency is just not there. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like UCLA beating Stanford um, was great to watch, but um, I did some research that 
in the in the uh, Pac-12 tournament, the teams that go beat Stanford, um, only one team who has beaten Stanford before the, the championship game has gone on to win another game because wow. it is so emotionally taxing to beat Stanford. It feels like a championship, and then you have to win. You have to play another game. And I think that that absolutely affected UCLA. I know that the Huskies that had we in our in our run of the Final Four, we beat Stanford to get into the quarterfinals mm-hmm. of the Pac-12 tournament, and then we ended up losing a very close game with Oregon State. The next game, it's the, that was the next day. So Jeez. it was like you know you just it is very difficult to climb the mountain that is beating Stanford and Tara, and then have to play another game and have to play against a very well coached and extremely talented WSU team and win. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but like, wow, that's really interesting that you looked that stuff up because I remember playing my playing days. It was like, if you, we beat Utah state and it was not expected in those days, the whack at the Mm. whack tournament, like we were the three seed, they were the two seed and so emotionally taxing that we like Seattle, U was good that year, but they weren't that good. And we had beaten them handily before but in the championship, it was like really close, really tight. And that that absolutely just happens. And like Gonzaga a couple of years mm-hmm. ago with the men's final four, when they had that back and forth with UCLA, it was crazy. That felt like the national championship. Gosh. And then Baylor. So that's totally, that's very good yeah. point. We don't like Gonzaga. So we were okay with it. Okay, you're fine <laughs> with it. <laughs> we team never, we feel the same way about Gonzaga as we feel about Oregon. So a fair. Totally fair. Um, That's but, um, as far as conference honors, do you feel like the um, the media and the coaches got um, coach of the year, player of the year, freshman of the year? Did you feel like they got it pretty accurately? I do. And I think um, I really liked Alyssa Peely being player of the year because she absolutely changed the game in the conference. I mean, making Utah a top five team this year, it's so cool to see her do that too, because my old assistant coach is now Utah's head assistant, like their top assistant, Gavin Peterson. And so he was my coach at Idaho for a while. I talked to him about Alyssa Peely and he's like, she is so humble. She didn't try too hard to fit into the team. She didn't try to make it her team. Everybody just knew after the first practice that she is a baller. Like she just dominated their first practice and I, I just like the way she came into it. Like she's a great defender. She is a brick house. I mean, it's so fun to watch her play. Nobody's like, you're just not going to be able to reach in and try to block her shot. Um, the angles at which she scores is unlike any player in this conference. I think Cam Brink is a fair, is a fair competition there because she's so versatile and she, she gives so much effort. I mean, I know she's got some like fierce attitude sometimes on the court, but that girl plays so hard. Yeah. So I, I do think it was like a close competition there. You have to give it to Lynn Roberts. I mean, number three, she, they were number three in the nation when they came into the tournament. So um, I really liked my pick. Those. My pick was uh, Lindsey Gottlieb. This for like, uh, I had USC kind of like right neck and neck with Washington and they outperformed expectations. And I kind of expected yeah. Utah to be where they were. Okay. So I had, I had Lindsey and then potentially uh, J.R. Payne considering the, the like jump that Colorado has yeah. made. But like, I mean, obviously I've got a soft spot for Tina to just be able to go in in year two. And, you know, there she's one and one against Stanford in two tries. 
So it's crazy. <laughs> she, I hope I see her getting it next year because she's so right there. I think with Lindsay, she's got so much talent on that roster. It's about fitting it together. And I just don't think they're there yet. Like they also rode the highs and lows. And I don't, their, their offense, you can tell her vision for it. I can see her vision for it, but it's just not there yet either. And I think Utah was expected to be really good, but last year they upset that tournament. Like they flipped that thing on its head and you add in Alyssa who had a great freshman year, but not a good sophomore year at USC. I think there was some questions, you know, like, could that work with Utah's style? Mm -hmm. Utah is such an Mm -hmm. outside game, right? Except for Jenna Johnson. So I think, yeah, I mean, that's the beautiful thing and the torturous thing for these poor coaches who have to go against the best coaches in the country. (laughs) I think that they probably wouldn't want it any other way. That's so true. The craziest competitors. (laughs) So we anticipate getting as many as seven teams into the NCAA tournament. How many do you think could make the Sweet 16? And also, Ooh. like, do you like, will we continue our streak of appearances in the final four? These are fun <laughs> questions to think about. I got to like go through in my mind who all I think UCLA really surprised me with um, their ability to keep up with Stanford just with their size uh, and their freshmen. I, I could see them having a lot of fun at this tournament those freshmen really finding their groove like Kiki Rice did in the semifinal game against Stanford her London Jones Lena Sontag um I think they might mess around and become a sweet 16 team I don't think Arizona will I do so seven teams will get in I think seven teams will get in Washington will be left out but it's going to be Oregon just barely it's going to be Washington State it's going to be UCLA Arizona Stanford, Utah. Utah will, I don't know. I need to check on Izzy Palmer because Izzy Palmer was missing in this tournament. Like that's a big part of why they lost to Washington state. She is really good at like facilitating that offense and finding Alyssa Peely more options because Washington state just triple teamed Alyssa Peely. So depending on if Izzy comes back, I'd love to see Utah get to the Sweet 16 because I think their style of play is really fun. And I don't know many teams that can keep up with that scoring. Mm. Uh, so I'd say maybe maybe three. Is that crazy? Stanford is my other one. So Stanford, UCLA, yeah. Utah. Yeah, I think honestly, based on last weekend, it, depending on where the Cougs get seated and where they play their first two rounds, they're my dark horse for – they've never won a tournament game in their history. Wouldn't that be a fun story? Like there's nobody that has a better story than Washington state who, if you look at the history of this conference, there's no one who has had a worse record um, just all time than Washington state. Um, There was a time Elise can tell you that we won 34 straight games against Washington state that started in Elise's playing days and went until eight years ago. So um, super happy and fired up for them. I mean, they're just so much fun to watch. So like, they're my dark horse for like, gosh, if they, if they could get seated away from stores, Connecticut, um, which I think like if they get seated there, that's disrespect, but yeah, yeah hopefully they get away from there. So I, I like, I, I would just love to see that dark horse pull through. Yeah. Right now, I believe the last time I checked, they were in Durham as a six seed. Is that still the case? I think probably. I love them as a six seed, but I know that Charlie Cream, Bracketology, the NCAA committee does not even look at. They say they don't look at it. So I don't know what that, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Who Who knows? And your last question, it's a fun one for you. I know you were at spring training with the M's. Um, what is your favorite Houston Astros joke if you have one? <laughs> oh, this is good. <laughs> I I appreciate and I love all of them. <laughs> oh man, because I did get into some some debates on Twitter. I got into that. I was I, I was here for it. It was delicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the viciousness comes out when people just refuse to uh, like the just, truth is really hard for some people Alyssa Astros yeah. are no fun turns out <laughs> <laughs> turns out uh when people take things away from you because you didn't do it correctly or fairly Ooh. unlike the rest of the league um shoot I mean I thought it was really funny when Mariners fans dressed up as trash cans literally dressed up as trash cans <laughs> uh when they came to I think Seattle I think it was when they came to Seattle um there are so many good ones something with buzzers I mean the the thing is I will I will say this the Jose Altuve buzzer thing has not been proven like we know how he's like wanting to keep his jersey on when he was crossing home plate Jeff Passan will go to his grave saying that I still have not found evidence that there was any and he is adamantly denied that I, I didn't want anybody to bang trash cans for me. Like when I got back into the dugout and like his teammates have said that Jose Altuve hasn't even said that when I got back mm-hmm. into the dugout, I would, he, he would yell at his teammates if they banged the trash can because he didn't want to win it that way. But his numbers at home versus away were pretty crazy different. So mm-hmm. little suspects. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Seattle fans, we are nothing if not petty and um... <laughs> proudly. We love that. I mean, we threw Monopoly money at A-Rod the first time he came as a Texas Ranger. That's and so good. I mean, it, it just, it's delicious. And I'm here it for is. all of it. I mean, the, what we did to Russell Wilson this year, um, amazing. Yeah, Chef's I forgot kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Worth it. Worth it. Worth it. Not sorry. It. Oh, man. And look at his season, the mental anguish that must have caused. We also have a new A-Rod. I mean, I don't know if how long he'll last, but he's a top 30 prospect. Tonight, he hit a home run, a two-run homer. Alberto Rodriguez for the Mariners. Oh, so we have so a J-Rod and an A-Rod? J-Rod and an A-Rod. A-Rod. My, my Christmas present this year from my boyfriend was a Cal Raleigh jersey because I have, like, my first favorite player for the Mariners was Dan Wilson, so I've just yeah. got catcher love. Oh, I love that. He yeah. is great. I got to sit down with him, and he is so down to earth. Yeah. So I'll let you know when that story comes out. He's so yeah. great. One of my Twitter friends was the was the teacher whose class went crazy and was like no um, big dumper, big dumper, and so yeah. big dumper went to his class to like visit those kids. So he's yeah. just like just class act. I mean, he's here for all of his fans, and like that made those kids' day. So um, I'm sure it made his day to watch the video though too. So no doubt, no doubt, and <laughs> memories they will never forget. None of us oh, will for forget. For sure, for sure. Well, I'm mindful of time, Alyssa. I know you've got to hop on to your broadcast tonight, but we both really appreciate you coming on and answering these fun questions about the dogs and the conference at large. I so appreciate you guys having me on and huge shout out to you guys for your coverage all season long. Need it. It's getting so much better with women's coverage in general. And Mm -hmm. you guys are leading the charge, showing up to press conferences when you can, doing podcasts. It's such a commitment, especially when you have kiddo. I mean, it's just, it's nonstop, so keep doing it. We all gotta power each other up, and I really right. appreciate you having me on. Of course, please come back next year or anytime. Maybe if the Huskies make it into the quarterfinals of the WNIT, for sure. When, when, when they do, Go. I love it. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Alyssa. And I guess that does it for us. Uh, thanks for listening. This is Pick and Roll with UW and Evie Mason. Go dogs. Go dogs. Back the pack. <laughs>